Roughly 85% of the nonprofit CEOs that I know have been blindsided by a disgruntled staff's complaint to the board. Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm really excited about part three of my Staff Struggles series this summer. Today, we're going to be talking about being blindsided by board complaints. Not a fun topic, but a needed one. Um, So I'm going to explore that today. But before I get started, I want to offer this disclaimer. There are times when whistleblowing situations are warranted and appropriate. And in those cases, the evidence will most likely necessitate that the board take action. But this is not what I'm talking about in this episode. I'm talking about the kind of complaints that I and many of my colleagues face or have faced on a regular basis. These complaints that I'm referring to in today's podcast are centered around interpretations of our word choice, tone, or facial expressions when addressing an employee with repeated performance issues, or the fact that a staff member may not agree with a decision to downsize or discontinue an unproductive program or event, or in the saddest of situations, I'm talking about when an underperforming, envious, or even biased employee outright lies about the actions of a CEO. In other words, saying that they did something unethical, in hopes of embarrassing them at the very least or getting them unjustifiably terminated at the most. These are the types of complaints that unfortunately happen often, and they're the ones that I'm addressing in today's episode. So just wanted to make that clear. Um, didn't want anyone saying that I am discouraging people from you know, making a complaint, but what I am saying for CEOs on the other side of false or inappropriate complaints. Um, I want to talk about that today and I want to talk particularly to them. So let's get talking. Roughly 25% of the nonprofit CEOs that I know have been blindsided by a disgruntled staff's complaint to the board. And I'm no exception. In my 12-year career, I've had three such complaints that I know of. But the first and most memorable one was surprising because it came from someone who I considered to be both a colleague and a friend. Now, the others were pretty predictable. The good news is that for me and the others that I know of, the complaints did not work, the weapons did not prosper, and we remained in our roles. In fact, it's important to note that unless there's an actual and not contrived ethical violation, 
most boards ultimately see the complaint for what it is the majority of the time. A disgruntled, often low-performing employee who's being vindictive after having their performance addressed. But regardless of the outcome, regardless of the fact that we remained in our roles, the hidden mental toll that it takes on your confidence and your enthusiasm for your work can be significant and even stifling depending on things like your relationship with the employee who made the complaint or the board's initial response. If you've personally invested in the employee, for instance, if you've mentored them, given them opportunities or trusted and confided in them, you may experience feelings ranging from betrayal and disappointment in them to stupidity for having trusted them and disappointment in yourself for not knowing better or ignoring the signs. Now, if the board initially reacts in a way that signals that they believed the worst, Um, failing to give you the benefit of the doubt, for instance, you can be demoralized, disappointed, and even discouraged. Now, if you've read my book, Diary of an Insecure CEO, you know that I've been through both scenarios simultaneously, and it was the most difficult time in my career. Thankfully, it's been more than a decade ago, but I still remember what it felt like. I felt a full range of emotions, all those that I just mentioned, and I felt them for quite some time. Despite the fact that I was not guilty of the inappropriate behavior that I was being accused of and that I had the records to prove it, it hurt just being accused. It was frustrating just having to prove myself all over again. Sure, I put on a brave face most days. But there were other days when I went home and cried on my husband's shoulders. I went from being angry at the situation to afraid that it would cost me my professional reputation and even my career. In the days and weeks that followed the incident, my actions and attitude fluctuated severely. I went from being a recluse at one point to tiptoeing around staff at another point to failing to give my faithful staff the feedback they needed at another point. I was at a loss as to how to proceed. So I did what I do when I'm at a loss. I spent some time away in prayer and in reflection, and I went to the Bible for guidance. Now, here's the thing. I've learned that it's best for me to go inward for reflection versus going outward for direction when I'm facing severe criticism and hardships. Many times your employees and unfortunately, some of your board members think that it's the CEO's responsibility to make sure that all the staff are happy all the time. Then there's the fact that how to keep employees happy articles probably outnumber how to be a good employee article 25 to 1 online. If you look at the culture alone, meaning the popular culture, You feel a sense of responsibility and an undue sense of failure when an employee unjustifiably complains or criticizes your efforts. But when you study the lives of leaders you admire the most, those who've really made a difference, you'll find that all of them had critics and even a few enemies. And when you read the life of Moses in the book of Exodus, you get insight into why. So when you're a visionary or a change maker, your job is to take a group of people or an organization from one level to another. 
And anytime you're taking a group of people through a major transition, the fear and uncertainty will cause some of them to turn against you. Complaining when you're enduring the strain and stress of leaving your comfort zone is normal. We do it. And it has to do very little about the leader themselves. It's mostly about the insecurity and immaturity of the person complaining. I want you to think about a time that you were stretched. Maybe you got a personal trainer and they asked you to run harder or longer than you thought possible. They may have asked you to lift a weight that you thought was too heavy. And while they were telling you that, you hated them. Like you were like, oh, they're getting on my nerves. But when you did it, you felt successful. Well, you didn't really hate your trainer. You just hated the feeling of discomfort. That's often what's happening from a cultural standpoint when you're leading an organization through a period of change. They don't really hate you as much as they hate the feeling of being uncomfortable and being stretched and being told that they should do more than what they've done before. All those things together create tension and stress in the environment. So that's absolutely normal. And it's normal when you're leading an organization to new heights because they don't see what you see. They don't hear what you hear and they don't know what you know. And that lack of understanding will cause even faithful employees to question the leader from time to time. And it'll definitely cause unfaithful employees to rebel. It's just normal. And it's what God uses to separate the wheat from the tear. That's the comforting part. But there's also a warning in my study of Moses that I want to share with you. That warning is this. When you're a change maker, if you allow negative emotions and frustrations to cause you to disobey God, it could negatively affect your future and derail your purpose. And guess what? Nothing and no one is worth that. So when I realized that while it is normal for them to complain, it's also normal for leaders to take it personally and that's not a good thing. You know, the thing about being a leader, like the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so, yes, we have normal reactions. They have normal reactions. But as a leader, we're, we're required to have more control of our emotions than the people that are following us. And that's the warning in this. Like when Moses hit the rock instead of talking to the rock and it cost him his entry into the promised land, when he allowed his emotions to cause him to disobey God, it cost him everything. And so that's the warning for us, right? We can't allow our negative emotions and frustrations to cause us to disobey God because it could cost us everything. And like I said before, no one and no nothing is worth that. So when I studied that for myself, I had to humble myself and go back to the office and submit to the process, which means doing my very best to treat everyone like I wanted to be treated to forgive and forget and focus on the the thing that God had me to do. So what my adversaries didn't know about me was that the battle actually invigorates me. Once I submit to the fact that this is the path that God has for me, it invigorates me. Something rises up in me that, especially when my back is against the wall, that refuses to let the enemy win. Now, when things cease to matter to me, I can let them go with relative ease. 
I mean, it's almost like a superpower. When things become more trouble than they're worth, I can walk away with the spring in my step, no matter how long I was in relationship, no matter no matter what. It's just one of those things that um, makes me me for good or bad. But when someone tries to take what God has promised me, I fight with everything that I have in me because I know that if God is with me, it doesn't matter who's against me. All right. So if you've listened to my podcast for any amount of time, you know that for the first half of the podcast, I like to tell a story either about my experience or, you know, maybe a client's experience if I've had permission to do so. And then for the second half, I like to talk strategy. I like to provide you with specific instructions or steps that you can take to overcome whatever topic or issue that we're talking about that day. So in today's strategy session, I'm going to actually talk about two strategies. The first is how to deal with the board complaint when it occurs. And the second is how to reduce them or at minimum reduce their impact. But first, let me begin with three quick steps for how to deal with board complaints to begin with. You guys know that I love alliteration because it makes note taking and memorization really easy. Let's call these the three B's for board complaints. The first B for board complaints is to breathe. Take a deep breath, but more than anything, allow this breath to signal the need to gain control of your emotions. Remind yourself that while this may have caught you by surprise, it did not catch God by surprise. He actually allowed it because there's something he wants you to know and something he wants you to learn. So breathe through it. Ask for a moment to center yourself before proceeding if you need to. Then take that moment, say a quick prayer, ask God for help and guidance, gather yourself, return to normal breathing, and then proceed. If it's not possible in the moment, ask for the time that you need. So in other words, if your emotions are raging in the moment, just say, listen, can we Can I think about this? Can I review the information? And let's talk the first thing in the morning because I need time to process. This is honestly blindsided me and I don't want to react in a way that is not productive. Um, Also, um, if there's one thing that I regret, you know, doing when these things happen was not taking the time to gain control of my emotions earlier in my career, not just when this happened, but when other stressful things happen. And, you know, honestly, I didn't even know that that was an option for me. I had to learn that through therapy, that just because something is going on and it feels urgent and even chaotic doesn't mean that I have to respond. I can take a moment to center myself so that I can bring a better version of myself to that issue. So that's the first thing, breathe. The second thing is believe the best. You really need to hear this. While I've had board complaints and the majority of the nonprofit CEOs that I know have had board complaints, I literally do not know one CEO, not one CEO who's ever been terminated or even disciplined for a false complaint. And I don't know any CEOs whose reputation was damaged long term due to this short term stressor. When you face a complaint, remind yourself of Isaiah 54 and 17 in its entirety. Most of us know the first part of the scripture, which says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. 
But the second half of the verse says, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord for their righteousness is of me. Isaiah 54 and 17 really became a rock for me during the times when I was being maligned and falsely accused. Because first, it reminds me that it's not going to prosper. It's not going to affect the plan of God for my life. But secondly, in the second half, it also reminds me that it will not affect me long-term because I'll condemn it as my life, my actions, and my God prove those accusations to be false. And here's the best news. I don't have to worry about being perfect in the process because as a Christian, God's protection is my heritage. That's the last part of that verse. This is the heritage of the service of the Lord because your righteous, our righteousness is of him. So his protection is my heritage. His righteousness is my covering. So as I go through all these emotional up and downs and maybe say some things that I shouldn't say in the process just because I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed or frustrated, God's righteousness covers me. He knows I was blindsided. He knows this was challenging for me. And so he'll cover me and he'll still ensure that no weapon formed will prosper. And that is amazing reassurance. So with that knowledge, you can believe the best. With the knowledge that few CEOs are ever terminated because of things like this, false accusations are the ones I'm talking about, or, you know, things that are taken out of context. Few CEOs are ever terminated for that. Very few have lasting damaging effects on their reputation, myself included. And what the Bible says in Isaiah 54 and 17 is true. No weapon form will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord because our righteousness is of him. That's true. So that knowledge enables me to believe for the best. Now, the last three is to be honest. First, to be honest about the situation. When, when you have gathered yourself, when you have gotten your mind right, it's time to address it. Be honest. State the facts. Be specific and be brief. Don't over-explain. Just state what happened. Be honest about any ways that you could have handled the situation differently or more productively, if that applies. Be honest about any disappointment that you have in the board response, if that applies, particularly if they fail to handle the handle it according to the grievance procedure or if they fail to request the complainant's performance record or approach you with the respect and kindness that your position deserves or give you the benefit of the doubt as CEO because you want to use this as a learning opportunity for them as well. Be honest about your expectations in the future. Be honest about the ways that you're going to improve in the future as well. Now, most often I've found that disruptive situations are a gift. They don't feel like it in the moment, but they are a gift in that they provide us with a unique opportunity to rebuild and reshape things better in a way that help ensure a brighter future for everyone involved. All we have to do is get our feelings out of the way, try not to be offended, and look for the better way that's coming out of that. So that brings us to strategy number two. Let's briefly discuss a strategy for reducing future complaints or their impact. First, I want to encourage you to discuss potential issues with your board before they blow up. 
I meet with my board chair once a month and my executive committee before each board meeting. I use those meetings not only to share high-level reports on the organization's outcomes, operations, and finances, I also share any performance concerns that could potentially escalate if those issues persist. You know, I keep it professional, not only sharing the performance issue, but I also optimistically share the coaching, the counseling, and the training that we've provided the employee to in hopes of turning the situation around. I also share any plans that I have in terms of an interim plan for management, cross-training, or next steps if things don't work out. One other benefit of doing this is that it lets the board know some of the challenges of your role as a leader, and hopefully they develop a newfound respect for those challenges and the other things that you face on a daily basis. I know a lot of CEOs just want to always project positivity, great performance, but that's just not realistic. And the more you get ahead of it, the more you're strategic and thoughtful about it, you get insight and even synergistic strategy coming from your board chair, your board. It makes sure that when these issues come up, you have a united front and that they're not caught off guard by them either. Second, what I would encourage you to do is Discuss the positive personnel-related accomplishments and efforts that you have. For example, share the names and positions of employees who have had anniversaries on social media and share key milestones like 5, 10, and 15-year work anniversaries and board meetings. Share summaries and overviews of any team-building efforts or events that you have, as well as any staff appreciation events. Also, share strategies that you put in place to promote work-life balance and a more peaceful work environment. I remember doing this once in a board meeting for the first time, and I had several board members remark how they wanted to use some of our ideas for their offices, while others even joked that they wished they worked for the organization because of what we did to really be thoughtful about our staff and their concerns. So remember, your board won't know about all the good things that you're doing to positively impact your organization's cultures and its employees um, if you don't tell them. You need to let them know also which employees are remaining faithful year after year under your leadership. You need to share the retention that's also taking place so that they're not always focused on exits. When they know what you're doing, it'll lessen the effect of any random complaints about what you're not doing. Finally, remind both the board and the staff of the grievance procedure and hold them accountable for failing to ask any complaining staff if they followed it and directing them back to it if they haven't. It's important that your board has your back with staff, pointing them back to the grievance procedure. Um, It doesn't negate their complaint, but it does give you an opportunity to address it first if it's appropriate to do so. I found that doing these simple things, you know, sharing problems before they arise, sharing what you're doing to promote a positive culture, reminding your staff and your board about the grievance procedure, greatly reduce complaints and lessen the disruptive impact and even the demotivating impact when they do occur because everyone has context before the complaint is issued. So I hope that you found these two strategies for dealing with board complaints helpful. Now, let me offer you a word of encouragement. Whether you've been blindsided by a team member's complaint to the board or simply disrespected by a colleague who constantly seems to criticize you, 
Being a change maker is hard. Believe me, I know. But the truth of the matter is that change causes disruption. When you dismantle old systems and set new standards, the stretch will scare those with low self-esteem because they're secretly doubting if they have what it takes. And the new standards will anger those who simply don't want to leave their comfort zones. Fear and anger often result in complaining and controlling behavior. And guess what? That has little to do with you or your leadership style. Unless you allow the enemy to make it about you by manipulating you to take it personally. Then, my friend, you're in a danger zone because stressed fueled emotional decisions will replace thoughtful strategy. And before you know it, your eye is off the innovation and increased impact that you were sent there to do. And that's what the enemy wants in the first place. So when you find yourself getting offended, stop and remind yourself that God chose you and his endorsement is all that really matters. Then extend grace to the fearful and angry among you Whether God leads you to tarry with them or terminate them, do it with grace and keep going. Eventually, your work will speak for itself, and that moment will occur sooner if you don't stop to defend yourself against every naysayer that has criticism. That's just another lesson that I learned the hard way, and I hope it really helps you. Now let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come just thanking you for this day thanking you for every lesson, every opportunity, every challenge, um, every burden that we have because it teaches us what we need to be able to advance in the future. You said two things. You said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So we thank you that while we may have many challenges and many struggles, you always deliver us. And when we learn to allow those challenges and struggles to remain on you, our yoke will remain easy and our burden will remain light. So teach us in this moment not to resist or despise that which is natural. And when it gets too heavy for us to cast our cares on you, And we thank you that you protect us, that you keep us, that you surround us with love and that you reward us in due season. So we thank you for it now. We praise you and magnify you in Jesus name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.